Welcome to another episode of Odyssey and Muse. I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we explore adventure, creativity, and living life without a map. We'll dig into the big questions like how to overcome fears, how to plan and execute a large project, and finding the things that drive you, finding your true north. In this episode, I'll be talking with my friend Amy Javens. She's a married mother of three daughters, a professional Ironman triathlete, a QT2 systems triathlon coach, that's kind of a mouthful, and just an inspiring and positive force for good. So I've got a ton of questions for her, and let's get to it. All right, welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks for doing this. Hi, John. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, so it's it's been kind of a while since we've talked. Um, I'm sure, I think it's been almost two years, really, since we've talked other than like Facebook. Um, right, right. Yep, I think so, too. I'm sure a lot has happened. <laughs> yep. So uh, maybe just, just to start, give kind of a brief rundown of this last year's competition and kind of what, what you've been involved in. Okay. Um, yeah, I, like you said, I'm, I'm a professional triathlete, uh, QT two systems triathlon coach. So, um, as far as those two things, um, those have really come to fruitation in the last year or two, uh, about a year ago I had, became a professional triathlete. And what that means in the world of triathlon is acquiring uh, your professional card through Mm -hmm. USA Triathlon. And there's certain qualifications you have to go through to be able to apply for that card. So about a year ago, I decided I was going to go out of the age group competition and compete as a professional. So for the last year, that's what I have been doing as an athlete. And also this past year, I was um, able to become a coaching uh, coach within my triathlon system, which is QT2. So I've started that journey and it's it's been great so far and I'm learning a lot. And, um, you know, every day is a, is a new adventure and enjoying the process. Awesome. It sounds like it's been kind of a wild ride. <laughs> uh, yep, yep, for sure. So when I think I moved away from Ohio about two years ago, and I believe that was the same time that you competed, I think it was your first full man Ironman full Ironman world championship. And, um, I want to get to that, but let's, let's kind of just start out with how you got into competing in triathlons. Were you an athlete in school? Were were your parents athletes? Did they influence you? Kind of how did this all come about? Um, you know what, my whole life I've been an athlete. I mean, even as a little kid growing up, I was an athlete in the backyard, in the backyard playing with the big brothers and the big sisters. You mm-hmm. don't quite see that much anymore um, in family dynamics because of how busy everybody is. But we were always playing, um, whether it was outside on the basketball court in our driveway. I was either roller skating up and down the driveway and I had this like really long driveway. It was like a quarter of a mile long. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, my dad was a paving contractor. So it was like paved and it was smooth. And um, I think at one time I wanted to be a like a professional roller skater, like, you know, (laughs) back in eight year old dreams. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean, I was always like active and, and, um, trying to keep up with the older brothers and the sisters. And, um, I remember one day we decided we were going to run to the end of the road and back. And I sort of lived out in the country. So the end of the road was like, it would have been like, uh, two mile, two and a half miles to the end of the road and back. And, and so my older brothers and my sisters, like, they're like, okay, we're going to run, we're going to jog there and back. And, and one of the early remember things I early remember about, um, running was that actual experience of, um, running with my big brothers and my sisters and actually keeping up with them. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think a lot of times when you're the young one in the family, you're a little bit of the underdog, but you're also that kind of, you get that kind of mentality, like I'm going to keep up with, I'm going to keep up with those older siblings and show them what I can do. So I think I was really influenced a lot by my siblings. Um, they all were athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and dad really weren't um, athletes. They were, um, oh gosh, they were involved in different things. Um, not until my father was into adulthood, he started doing uh, cycling on the side for just general fitness and yeah. well-being. Um but yeah, like neither of my parents were really athletes, but all my, my two brothers and my sister were. So I just sort of followed suit and, and did some of the same things they did and did some things that were a little different. Yeah. So yeah. That, so, so 
it kind of started out with playing playing with your siblings, but mm-hmm. once you got into like grade school, high school, were there any sports that you were particularly mm-hmm. interested in that you competed in? Yeah, um, my first um, really sport sport, I played softball when I was 10. I was first baseman. I had a really horrible aim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why they didn't give me third base. But um, I couldn't throw, and <laughs> but I could catch really well. And I had these real long, lanky arms and legs. So I was a really good first baseman because I could like practically, and I was real flexible. I could practically do a split and catch the ball at the same time. <laughs> catch so, the ball and my, tag them out. You're... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. I was, you know, a little bit of the tomboy growing up. Um, so I did softball and then I did basketball for a long time, um, all the way through high school. Um, again, not a real good eye hand coordinated person, but I, (laughs) I, I always were like, my coach would always just hold her breath whenever I went to the free throw line (laughs) because she didn't know if I was going to make it or not, but I was really a great, like defensive kind of player, but I did basketball. And then my, my primary sport was track and field. So I was a hurdler jumper and track track and field. And I had done that also into college, Uh um, had, had pretty good success. I was uh, Pennsylvania state champion in the hurdles and went on to compete at a division one, um, college, um, until I got injured in college. And then I, I had to bow out of the sport, but yeah, primary, um, just basketball was through high school track and then track all the ways into college. Great. Yeah. Well, Tom, maybe let's go to that injury that you had. Cause I, I feel like, I'm not sure if I know the story completely, but, um, did that injury, you were, you were mainly doing track at the time, right? Um, yeah, I, when I was in college, I got injured. I, um, got Achilles tendonitis. It was chronic, Mm -hmm. um, really bad flare ups. And as, as I said, I was a hurdler. So I was like always running on my toes. It was just a very high impact kind of sport and, um, you know, just never could really get better. So I just got a bit disheartened in college and, and bowed out of the sport. Um, and, uh, in, in, and eventually got over the injury, um, just started to focus a little bit more on my education yeah. in college, which was um, in education. I, I ended up becoming an elementary teacher, bachelor's in education, and just got into some fitness teaching, such as aerobic classes mm-hmm. um, and just did general fitness instruction. I did that into my young adulthood um, until I had my family got married and had my family, um, and always sort of leisurely jogged on the side, but nothing too aggressive. Okay. So, so you went to school for education and you became a kindergartner teacher at one time, right? Yep. 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 I was in education for 17 years, um, and pursued master's education. I got my national board certificate in early childhood education and also certified as an administrator in education. So, um, yeah, I, I spent quite a bit of my life in, <laughs> in the profession of that. <laughs> That's great. So you're, you became a mother of three, you're married, you're a kindergartner teacher. How did you start getting back into racing? Was it, was it marathons at first? Is that what you kind of it was. Yep. 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 I, um, well, I had my three children and like I said, I was teaching fitness classes. Step aerobics was the big thing at the time. I think slide aerobics. I don't know if you remember that, where you <laughs> had like this plastic sheet and you just slid back and forth. And so I'd like did all these aerobic instruction classes. I taught spinning for a while. And then after I had my babies, um, you know, the normal baby weight that women may gain mm-hmm. while they have, uh, a number of children in a small amount of time. All my daughters were um, within three and a half years oh, of wow. each other. Yeah. That's so awesome. like when I had my last daughter, my oldest one was three and a half years. So, you know, obviously had gained a little bit of baby weight. And I remember telling my husband, I was real frustrated. I remember saying, you know what, I, I'm going to run a marathon because uh-huh. that'll, that'll take this weight off. <laughs> <laughs> I love your extremes. You're like, yeah, right, most people right. are like, hey, I'll, I'll go to the gym a couple of days a week. You're right. like, no, I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. Like if I commit to myself, if I commit to training for a marathon, I know, you know, I need to be out there. I need to be doing it. So, um, yeah, so I had, I had, I, I did that. I made that a focus. Um, I had think you, like, had you run a marathon up to this point? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I had, um, 
had a, a, a pretty good fitness base with mm-hmm. just teaching classes. Um, and I think the most I ever ran a race before I started, before I decided I wanted to do a marathon was maybe a 10 K. Um, and then, and then I, when I had planned to do that first marathon, I had scheduled a half marathon in the training cycle. Oh, leading okay. up to That's it. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Give yourself goals. Right. So just for people that don't know, a marathon is what, 26.2 miles? Yes. Yeah, that sounds long. I've not gone that far yet. (laughs) (laughs) So you were running marathons. Was it, how many marathons did you run before you decided to start doing triathlons? Was this the the injury that kind of came back to haunt you? Yeah, yeah. I, um, well, the first marathon I ever ran was Pittsburgh and it was back in 2003 and Mm. I had qualified for the Boston marathon there. So, you know, the obvious thing, which a lot of people do is, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go run Boston. So I ran Boston in 2004, um, and then trained for a third marathon. And for that third marathon, I had, uh, got injured again and it was, um, more of a plantar fascia kind of issue, Mm. not so much of the Achilles. Um, and so I had battled that injury for a while and then eventually, um, I, 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 because I was battling that injury, I couldn't run and I was very limited with any type of spinning classes that I could do. So the only thing I really could do was to get myself in the water and exercise. And I had absolutely no swimming background (laughs) at all. Like, so how did that go to start? Were you just kind of flopping um, around or? (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was just, yeah, flopping around in the water. Um, really no clue what I was doing. Uh, I just remember growing up and my parents, taking me to the, um, Red Cross swimming classes Uh and having a really big fear of water. Um, and just thinking that the pool looked so big and it was so dark in there. And, and I just really didn't take to a water, um, (laughs) (laughs) as a kid. Um, I mean, I would play in it, but as far as like, you know, taking more, taking risks. I, yeah. I wasn't quite into that. So was it a fear thing? Um, yeah, I think it was a combination of that. And then just not knowing how mm-hmm. to swim very well. I mean, I was a breaststroker. I could breaststroke and, but I had to wear nose plugs because I didn't know <laughs> how to, how to breathe in the water. Uh-huh. Like, like I really didn't like people would do freestyle strokes and I would be so jealous. Like, why, how can they do that and not get water up their nose? Mm-hmm. So, um, the first, goal I had to, um, establish for myself was just to learn how to breathe and not get water up my nose. And, and at that time I just, we were taking our children to water baby classes mm-hmm. and, um, swim classes for, for them. And, and I remembered that the, some of the activities they did with our children to teach them how to blow bubbles in the water and how to get that, uh, you know, how to get the breathing patterns. Yeah. And so I just remember going up and down the pool with a kickboard and blowing bubbles and breathing to the side and blowing bubbles, breathing to the side. And eventually I got myself to the point that I could effectively breathe in the water and then slowly started to do um, self-taught freestyle stroke. And then once when I saw, okay, I'm going to survive and I'm not going to drown anymore, <laughs> I became a little bit more um, aggressive with my swim quote training and uh-huh. started to do some uh, local workshops um, and, uh, informal instruction with, uh, people that, that I knew. Yeah. So at at this time when you're, you're learning to swim and getting in the pool and trying to recover from this injury, were you thinking in the back of your mind, I'm, I want to try to do some triathlons because, you know, um, no, at that moment, I just wanted movement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just wanted to be able to ha- to maintain some type of fitness. But then as I started gaining confidence with my ability to swim, I started thinking, you know what, I, I think that might be a really cool thing to do as a triathlon. I mean, I, I know, I, I know how to run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a bike, anyone can bike. And, you know, the hardest part in my book was the swim and once when I knew that I could make it from one wall to the next and back, I, I was like, <laughs> okay, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll try a triathlon. So, um, you know, I, I've always been the kind of person who likes challenges and likes to learn. So it was just the ne- next natural step for me. Talk a little bit about your first triathlon. Was there, 
what was it like when you, I, I haven't done one yet, but I could just imagine like the swimming part at least getting like kicked in the face. And I have like a real, I have a real thing with like things flying at my face. So how did that go for you? What was that experience like? Well, you know, it's always so fun to talk to people about their first triathlon because um, whenever you talk to someone about it, they are always smiling because um, I think it reminds us a lot of being a kid. And mm -hmm. I remember walking away from my first triathlon saying to myself, boy, I felt like a kid doing that. Like, <laughs> you know, because you probably can remember like back in the old summer days when you were a kid, you know, going swimming and then jumping on your bike and maybe mm -hmm. playing in the yard with your your friends or your siblings. And, and that's sort of the feeling it gave to me when I did my first um, sprint. So it was actually a pretty, pretty positive of experience. Um, I did it with my husband. Um, oh, cool. he, he did it also. And I'm the one that stuck with the sport and he was the one that didn't stick <laughs> with the sport. But initially he was probably the one better at yeah. it than me. Um, but it was a pool swim. So it was like an early spring triathlon where oh, okay. the swim was in a pool. And then you, you did the swim portion and you, you know, jumped out of the pool, ran out of the pool door to the outside parking lot that uh -huh. had the transition that you would go onto your bike and then go into your run. So um, for anyone who does a first triathlon, you know, I would definitely recommend a short distance sprint triathlon that has a pool swim because it's very non-intimidating. You're yeah, not. That makes sense. I didn't even realize there were pool swim triathlons. Yep. 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 That's a very good way to start out. It's not as fearful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can see the bottom of the pool, whereas in a lake, you have no clue if there's a monster underneath you or whatnot. <laughs> All those fears, too. Don't watch Jaws before your first no, one. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that, most definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about a mass start like you see at you know, Hawaii world championships yeah. or whatnot. You don't have to worry about people kicking you in the face and losing goggles or whatnot. So yeah. So my, my first sprint triathlon was a really positive experience. I, I think I placed first in my age group. Um, and, but the, the funny thing I remember from it is coming out of the pool and being soaking wet and trying to put a, um, under armor shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, I don't know what I was thinking, but it was like a real tight Under Armour shirt. Uh -huh. And I don't know if you've ever tried putting an Under Armour shirt on when you're soaking wet, but it's impossible. I've tried <laughs> so, taking them off and I know they're just like suction to you. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's worse trying to put them on. And I just remember being in transition for like five minutes <laughs> trying to put this Under Armour shirt. And then I like, I think I was halfway through it and I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> and that's a big part of it too. When you start getting more competitive is the transition times, right? Right. You want to get in and out of those transitions, which are, you know, your, your meeting place for your bike and your run, um, things, um, that you come back to in between the bike and the run and after the swim. Um, yeah, you, you want to be in there minimally. So in terms of triathlons for people that don't know, I mean, the, the basic is it's, you know, swimming, biking, running, correct. In terms right. of order. And mm -hmm. is there like an, a standard ratio? Cause I know there's a lot of different lengths of mm -hmm. triathlons. Is it like a ratio that they use to determine or is it just kind of, you know, they've, they've just come up with these different size triathlons and. Right. I mean, no, I mean, they all, there's, there's, there's a couple different length of triathlons. There's a sprint mm -hmm. triathlons and then there's the Olympic distance triathlon, which is the same distance that you see in the Olympics. Um, a track, uh, triathlon has been in the Olympics now for 10, 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the exact date. Um, so that's the same distance as what you see with the Olympics. Um, and then there's the Ironman, there's the half Ironman distance, and then there's the Ironman distance. So oh. they're all different distances, but their ratios are different. Okay. Um, like, um, the Olympic has a larger percentage ratio for for a longer swim mm -hmm. than what maybe an Ironman does. If you compare the three disciplines to each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yes. But I can go over those distances if if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Might might as well. What's because I don't I don't think I know the Olympic one. What's what's the distance on that? Okay. Well the the I'll start with the sprints and I'll work okay. my way up. Um the sprints are usually anywhere from I mean there can be super sprints that are like three hundred yards long to mm -hmm. maybe eight hundred yard uh swim uh to a 
10 to 14 mile bike ride, depending on the course and a 5k run at the end. Mm -hmm. So those are considered the sprints. Uh, the Olympic is a 15 hundred meter swim, uh, followed by about a 25 mile bike ride and then followed by a 10 K, which is 6.2 miles. Mm -hmm. So that's the Olympic distance. Um, then you have the half Ironman distance, which is half the distance of the Ironman. And that is a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike ride followed by a half marathon, which is a 13.1, uh, mile run. Yeah. And, th and then you have the full distance, which is double that it's a 2.4 swim, a 112 mile bike ride, followed by a 26.2 marathon uh, run. That's all. <laughs> it's, yeah, it still <laughs> blows all. my mind every time I hear the distance of that one. And then there's even crazier people that do ultra ones, right? There that's are kind of ultra thing. ones. Yeah. Yep, yeah. That's definitely a rare breed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So when did you go from, you know, doing this sprint, your, your first triathlon to you know, making this kind of uh, something you were competing in. Did you did you have any idea that you would want to do this professionally or you just that competitive side of you just kept making you want to do more and more progressive? No, absolutely no clue. Like 10 years ago, if you would say I was would be sitting here on a podcast with John Perko <laughs> talking about being a professional triathlete, I would have been like, what? You know, I would, no, no clue. No, never, ever thought. And, you know, when I was um. When I was a competitive runner in track and field, I loved it. I, I competed in high school all across the nation. Um, I did a lot of the junior Olympic competitions and mm -hmm. competed nationally for that. Um, loved it. I n always knew I wanted to compete collegiately. Always was very intrigued about professional athletes and living that lifestyle. And I love that lifestyle. So I've always been intrigued with, with that. But, um, when I had gotten injured in college, it was sort of like my running career, my athletic career just abruptly ended. Yeah. And, and with that brought a lot of frustration because growing up, I was my, part of my identity was an athlete, mm -hmm. you know, and, and when, when that was gone, you know, I just tried to constructively put it into my career, which was becoming a teacher and becoming a wife and becoming a mother. So, you know, constructively tried to do that. But I never really thought I would come back to being an athlete yeah. um, again. So it's kind I was, of just a natural process. It like, was. It was like a natural process. Um, I love the word organic. Mm -hmm. It just came. <laughs> you know, it just it just was something that yeah. happened over time. It wasn't forced. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it just was something that I rediscovered my inner athlete and um, you know went with it. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know where to go next. I, I want to talk about your Ironman racing, but I'm also really curious about the how you deal with the injuries and and how they come come up to kind of haunt you later on. Um, mm -hmm. Did did your husband play a lot a big part in recovering from these? Because he's a physical therapist, right, Chad? Yeah, yeah. He um yeah, he he's helped me a lot along the way. When I first started becoming very competitive in triathlon, which was around the year of 2009, um I had uh, more injuries. Achilles tendonitis came back um and went through various rehab protocols. One was PRP therapy, which is platelet-rich plasma therapy. Mm -hmm. It's um when you take uh the platelet rich plasma of your blood, which is the jelly portion. Mm -hmm. When you spin it in a centrifuge, the, the blood separates into the red, the red, um, thick part. And then the jelly part, uh, the, what, what we do with PRP therapy is the physicians take that PRP and they re-inject it into your tendon oh, wow. and it's supposed to help accelerate, um, uh, heal, the healing process. So mm -hmm. I actually went through that procedure and I did a lot of rehab that was prescribed to me by my husband. Um, and I, I was able to get better, um, from that injury, which was the Achilles issue. Um, so yes, he's, he's played a big part. Um, a lot of it is just live and learn. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is not, is, is being smart about your recovery, especially with how I train now mm -hmm. on my overload weeks. I'm close to 30 hours. Wow. Um, 
And so, you know, you really have to spend, even though you're training 30 hours, you still have another hour or so throughout the day to recover well from that training. So, um, you know, add on another 10 hours and that's a 40 hour work week, you know, another 10 hours (laughs) to your 30 hours of training, you have 10 hours of recovery, whether it's, um, rolling out on a foam roller, going to see a massage therapist and not the, the, you know, the kind of massage therapist who knows sport massage and knows ART and myofascial work. So, so, um, focusing a lot on recovery will help, keep those injuries away. Um, and not so much, you know, and not in in addition to the rolling and the massage work, you know, your nutrition is really important. Uh, making sure you're taking in all of your little micronutrients, your Mm -hmm. vitamins and your minerals and, and eating well, and then sleeping well also. So, um, you know, fighting off those injuries is just being, trying to, trying to outthink them and outsmart them and, recovering well so that they don't creep up on you. So you're more active in your recovery than just like, you know, I train and then I just sit around and wait till the next training. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of sitting around, no doubt about that, because you have to conserve your energy. Um, but, but there's also, um, you know, things I do, you know, the minute I'm done training, I'm, I'm going right to the foam roller and I'm Mm. rolling out my legs and I'm, I'm doing certain stretches. Um, I'm doing eccentric calf raises to help my calves and my Achilles, because I know that's my, my weak link is my calf and my Achilles area. So, um, yeah, it's just all part of the normal everyday routine. What do you think the, the number one thing that helps you keep, keep from getting injured or your injuries coming back? is that you've implemented, is it the foam rolling or, I mean, I know it's a combination of everything, but if there's like one thing that you had to do, mm-hmm. what would that be? Um, I think it's a combination, but just really strengthening your weak spot all the time, mm-hmm. you know, um, with someone else, it might be different, but for me, I, I just know, I know when I'm in my high volume or high intensity portion of my training, um, I know that if something's going to go, it's either going to be a calf or an Achilles. So, um, I, I try to make sure that those areas of my body are strengthened to be able to handle the workload. Can you almost tell at this point, like if, if you're getting near the the overload or injury, can you? Oh yeah, most definitely. (laughs) Yep. I can sense it. And, and that's just as another reminder for me to be even more aggressive Mm -hmm. with what I need to do. Um, a lot of, I take fish oils. I'm a firm believer in fish oils. Um, taking omega-3s, um, you know, I'll increase my omega-3s even more mm-hmm. when when I'm in those phases. Um, yeah, so I can, y- you learn to become very in sync with your body. There's a huge mind-body connection and just, you know, knowing it and knowing, you know, oh, I feel this going, I feel this, I feel this happening down in my lower calf. Yeah. I need to wear, I wear dorsiflexion splints at night, which are like those funny looking boots that pull your foot back. Oh, okay. And so what it does is it stretches my calves and my Achilles at night. So, you know, if there might be a day or two, I don't wear them and I go running the next day and I start to feel it tugging, my calves tugging or yeah. getting tight, then I'm like, oh, I better put those splints <laughs> on. You know, Amy, you should have put this splints on. Don't be slacking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like crossing your T's and, yeah. you know, dotting your I's, you know, all the time. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, just to get back to kind of your path and your, your career and becoming a professional athlete. So what was, what was the next step for you in terms of doing these triathlons? Did you was the Ironman kind of the next thing? Did you get to a certain point where you were like, I want the next challenge? Yeah, I, I sort of um, approached it the same way I approached trying to keep up with my brothers and sisters on mm. that <laughs> one long jog way back when I was 10 years old um, and how I approached, I'm going to run a marathon now. I'm <laughs> uh-huh. when I, After I had my babies, um, I sort of was the same way with, with triathlon. I did my first sprint triathlon and I said, okay, next year I'm going to do an Ironman. So um, I wouldn't advise that for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I'm a coach, I would be like, oh my gosh, I would be like the worst athlete that I would coach. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, I I I made it, and you know, a goal, a challenge. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do an Ironman. I had a friend that had done one mm-hmm. who lives locally next to me, and I was just so intrigued and so odd. So and was, was this a her. full Ironman? 
It was a full Ironman. I I did it in um, 2006. It was Ironman Wisconsin. Okay. And um, it was, I always call it my post-baby Ironman survival contest. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's exactly what it was. I self-coached myself. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, And I I went, I did it. Um, I survived. It was more of a a death march at the end of the marathon. But I, I came in at 14 hours and 30. And if, if anyone's familiar with Ironman, the cutoff is 17 hours. So I made the cutoff, you yeah, know, you made it by a decent amount, actually. Right. I might've finished like 50 percentile in mm-hmm. my age group. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was like one of those experiences, like you, you finish it and you say to yourself, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at that moment, you're probably like, I mean, at that <laughs> moment, no, I'm not doing that again. And, um, I actually, that was 2006 and it was just so time consuming and my children were quite young at that time. Yeah. And, um, I, I wanted to focus the next year more or less more on my family and my continuing education and my profession. And I, um, we got a dog and we, the girls and I spent a lot of time at the dog park with the dog and taking him to puppy class. So, mm-hmm. you know, the next year I tried to rebalance that a little bit with, with more family time and, then I um, started to get did, the itch again. I started to get the itch again. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think in 2009, I hired my first coach, which was, um, I, I hired him. It was more of a, a fitness kind of coaching initially. Mm-hmm. I wanted to lean out, I wanted to just eat healthier. I wanted a nice, balanced fitness program where I got some cardio, I got some strength training, Mm -hmm. I got some nutrition advice. Um, and then we use triathlon as the vehicle for that. So I was, um, I hired my first coach in 2009 and had a tremendous amount of success my, um, first year and ended up at the, um, I was, I focused in the half Ironman distance Mm -hmm. because I knew at that time in my life, I just couldn't put the time in for a full Ironman training. Um, so I ended up at the end of that year at the, uh, 70.3 world championships as an age grouper. And, um, I think I may have placed eighth or so eighth or ninth at, in my age group there. Um, and that was sort of like, uh, wow, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't know, you know, I could do this, you know, from nose plugger to be able to, (laughs) you know, survive a 1.2 mile swim. And so that was a really, really productive year, um, for me and sort of got me moving a little bit more in that direction of being more competitive within my sport and not just doing it, um, for, um, the enjoyment, which yeah. I, I still do to this day. Um, I enjoy it. I mean, I have my ups and downs, but overall I, I really, really enjoy, and it's definitely a passion of mine, but it got me moving in the direction of like, well, maybe I can be a little bit more competitive at this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was probably more like my springboard year. Like, Oh, you know, I can, I can, you know, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe give people a little bit of a history of what the Ironman race is. Like how did it, how did it start? What is the main Ironman? And what are all, I know there's like a lot of, I don't know if they're Ironman sanctioned races or they're yeah. over, all over the country, but kind of. Yeah, what, they're what... actually all over the world, oh, Ironman okay. sanctioned races. Um, Ironman has primarily two distances. They have the Ironman distance, which is the 140.6 when mm-hmm. you add the swim, the bike and the run together. It's 140.6. And then they have um, another distance race called the half Ironman, which is 70.3. Yeah. Uh, miles total distance. Um, so yeah, Ironman is prevalent throughout the world. They have many races sanctioned everywhere. I mean, you know, you can go to Malaysia and find an Ironman. Um, so it started with the one in Hawaii though, right? It That's the did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, Ironman got branded mm-hmm. and, you know, it's a, a corporation now. And, and so now they're, they have races all over the place. So, um, the Hawaii world championship is the, is the championship race of Mm -hmm. Ironman. You have to be able to qualify to go to it, whether you're an amateur, which what is, which is what we call the age groupers. Or if you're a professional, um, you have to be able to qualify through certain standards to be able to make it. How do you qualify? Do you qualify by doing the other races? 
that they sanction yes. or is it like a, is there any other way to get in there? Um, they do have lotteries okay. where, um, you can pay so much money and, and they'll do a lottery. And if you're fortunate, your name will be called and you're able to do that race. Mm -hmm. Um, but the majority of the percentage are people who qualify as an age grouper, you qualify at another Ironman. Um, and usually you have to be in the top percentage of your age group. Um, you might, it might be anywhere from one to the top four or five people in your age group get to qualify and get, get to get that, what we call their Kona slot. Okay. Um, so that's how age groupers qualify. Um, professionals is a little bit more complex, um, qualif qualification, mm -hmm. um, process it's through points. Um, and you really have to race a lot, um, to be able to, to be able to get enough points to get into Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, um, a very, very hard task as a professional to be able to make it to Hawaii to compete. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. was the, was 2012 the first time that you did the championship as a full Ironman, the age group? Yes. I, um, I revisited Ironman. I did that one survival contest Ironman <laughs> back in 2006. And then I took a hiatus from that distance for mm -hmm. a while. And then in 2012, I had um, decided um, like in springtime, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do an Ironman this year. Mm -hmm. I just felt like my fitness was there um, to be able to really, really race it. And, um, and I did, I did, um, Ironman Louisville that was in August and to my utmost surprise, I, I was, um, I did well, I placed second amateur woman and oh, wow. I earned my slot to go to Kona and I, and seven weeks later I found myself in Hawaii, um, you know, there at Digme Bay and, and ready to take off in the swim for the <laughs> Hawaii world championship. Talk and about that experience a little bit. What was, uh, did you have butterflies before the race or were you? Yeah. I mean, it was just really cool just to be able to be there and to be in that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone has butterflies and everyone manages it differently. And, and you try to, on a scale of one to 10, you try to, to come out at a five on the anxiety level to, um, be able to, to handle those initial few minutes of that race, yeah. which involved over 2000 people swimming at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's insane. But, um, it, it's just, as a, it was, um, it was just cool. I mean, I wasn't scared. I wasn't too nervous. I was just, you know, in the moment, um, feeling blessed that I had the health to be able to be there, um, and to be with a lot of other people who are just as passionate as me. I mean, Hawaii in general is yeah. just an amazing place. Um, I have never felt more at peace than I ever was as in Hawaii is just, you know, but people have to make that on their bucket list. They have yeah, to be able to I haven't to been go. there, but I hear that a lot from pretty much yeah. everyone that's gone there. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was, um, it was a really, really meaningful race for me. My mom had passed away the year before. Mm. So the whole race, I just felt her presence. Um, you know, we're, we're swimming out in the swells of the ocean and then you come in and then you bike through the lava fields. Um, and, and the lava fields are so desolate and it's such harsh conditions, you know, like 90% humidity, 90, 90 degrees, lava fields everywhere, wind coming every which way. Um, but at the same time, it's, it was a very, very peaceful, peaceful yeah. experience. So I, I always call it, it's very spiritual experience. Um, and then, uh, you know, and the run is through town and then out back in the lava fields again. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, that definitely is one of my top experiences I've ever had, yeah. you know, in my life, you know, um, as well as, you know, getting married and having my children and whatnot. But that definitely was a, a really, really cool experience. And how did you place in that one? I got eighth in my, in my age group. Awesome. Um, I missed making the podium by two slots. Um, ah. but I was just happy. <laughs> I mean, like everything happened so quick. I, yeah. I didn't need, when I went to Louisville and placed that high, I never even expected to place that high. I, I thought I was going to be an hour slower than what I was. It was just, um, one of those days where you had the flow going, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you, um, just sort of enter into this 
subconscious kind of state of performance. And, and, um, those are really hard to come by. Um, I'm still trying to find that (laughs) for some (laughs) of my racing that, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to have this year, but, um, it, it was, um, it just had happened so quick. You know, I had one race and seven weeks later I had another race. And when I look back at it, I was really happy with it being my second and third Ironman ever to be able to perform that way. I felt very blessed. I felt, um, felt like, you know, there was some people looking out for me from above. Pretty cool. That's a great story. Uh, Maybe we could go from there to talking a little bit about just, I, I think people's perception of, of maybe triathlons in general and, and marathon running and those types of sports is that it's, you know, it's just one person, there's no team. It's just kind of you against everybody. But I feel like there's, you know, you're putting in so many hours with this training and everything, but there's, it's, it's kind of like a, your family and friends and you have coaches and, and everyone's involved. So there is really this support team that's behind you. Maybe talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. I mean, tri- triathlon, even though it's an individual sport, it, it, it isn't, um, you know, m- I call my support team, I just my family first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at now if it wasn't for my family, especially my husband and my children, they've had to sacrifice a lot for me to be able to pursue yeah. this, this feat. Um, and because of that, I, I'm so so thankful and grateful, um, for that. Um, you know, and then I have a nice coaching system that backs me, a coach that understands me, um, very well, knows me inside out, um, you know, and, and is a nice relationship there as far as being able to, to push me to that next level and to give me advice and, and put me on the right training path. Um, and, and besides that, I mean, I have, you know, teammates, um, friends, Mm -hmm. training, training buddies that are really, really, they're really good friends. I mean, they're almost like family with me because I'm, I'm with them a lot. Um, local friends who I go out and train with, um, you know, it, it's hard to be able to go out and do a six hour ride by yourself, but if, <laughs> yeah. but if you can recruit someone who's at your level, uh-huh. at least for three hours of it, it's, it just helps you, helps you so much. Um, so I have, I have a handful of people that can, can go out and train with me. Um, and even going to races and it being able to experience those races. Cause I, I do travel a lot, you know, anywhere from Texas to Mexico to, you know, Florida, yeah. um, to be able to have teammates who are, who are there with you going through it, um, who, who are very much like you as far as knowing what pre-race protocols are, Mm -hmm. um, and encouraging you. That's very, very helpful also. Um, and then, you know, I have just like people who, you know, who back me and, um, you know, like my, my massage therapist and his wife, they, they are such great supporters of me and, and, um, they really understand, you know, what I'm going through, yeah. you know, and, and offering words of encouragement. Um, you know, I have sponsors through my team and I have individual sponsors too. And, and, um, you know, those people, you sort of just, you, you just, it's organic. You sort of meet them along the way and you have similar, um, goals and ideas. And so you start to establish some really good relationships with some really cool people that are just amazing and smart and, um, know their craft, whether it's, you know, sport nutrition or a massage therapy or, or whatnot. Um, you know, and, and it's something that can't be forced. It's just, happens naturally. You sort of, you know, you, you attract to each other because you have a common passion and a common interest. Um, I mean, I can just go on and on and on. So it's almost like a community that you kind of build over the years. Just it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You have to have those connections. You have to have that community. Um, you know, I, I'll have training partners that totally get what I'm thinking and, and I'll, you know, go in another aspect of my life and people are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So so you have to have like those people who like understand what you're going through, you know, like when we're on like a six hour ride and we're three hours in and you start singing Bon Jovi, oh, we're halfway (laughs) there. 
and they chime in. I mean, you don't have like that doesn't happen awesome. a lot in life when people yeah. can just sort of chime in and start singing with you halfway <laughs> through a ride. Like they totally get your mojo. So that's that's very very helpful. Yeah, that's how real friends are made too during those challenging times and oh yes, combine experiences. How, let's definitely. let's go into racing for charities a little bit. Mm-hmm. Talking about teams. I know um, at one time, I don't know if you're still a part of it, but Team Blazeman, maybe you can go into that a little yeah. bit. And- yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm still a part of them. I'm, I'm very much an advocate of them. I'm an advocate for a couple different organizations. Team Blazeman, I fell in love with. If anyone ever has a chance to Google Team Blazeman and listen to the John Blazeman story, um, he was an athlete who was diagnosed with ALS and was the very first athlete to be able to compete in the Hawaii World Championships while battling ALS. Wow. His story is very, very um, inspirational. Um, I've gotten to know his parents, not in person yet, but via social media and through email. Um, and they have, once when John had gone through his battle and had passed away, they had established a a foundation to help research with ALS. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am a member of Team Blazeman and I wear his tattoo or I wear a Team Blazeman logo with me um, whenever I race. And I have a fundraising page with Team Blazeman um, and have contributed um, before to them. So I, I race um, in honor, I race for Team Blazeman because my father was diagnosed with ALS and yeah. he had he had passed this he had passed away um, a year ago. Can you go into it just a little bit about what ALS is for people that don't? Yeah, know? it's um, Lou Gehrig's disease. So mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, basically your your, your body um, is it becomes paralyzed over a course of time where you're no longer able to talk or walk. Um, and eventually it robs you of your basic functions of what you're able to do. And, and you, yeah. um, but at the you, same time, your mind's still like a hundred percent. Oh, Your normalized. mind is totally cognizant. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's, yep. It's, it's a very tough disease to battle. Um, and like I said, my, father was diagnosed in his mid fifties with it and had passed away in his early sixties from it. Um, so I, I, I race for charities because, you know, I think, um, you know, racing with emotion is, is a good thing and racing for a purpose is a good thing because I think in our sport of triathlon, it's a lot of, a lot about self-fulfillment, but at the same time, it it keeps us humble if we're able to race for somebody or to race for a cause and to help that cause along the way. Um, yes, I was, I was going to ask you like, where do you get some of your emotional and mental fuel? And I'm I'm assuming this is part of it, but you know, what, what helps you get through these long hours on these cra- the crazy training and just the, the long races too? Yeah, it's, um, oh, geez, I could probably talk for another hour to <laughs> on a podcast for that. <laughs> um, you know, there's little things that you, you do along the way to get you through it. You break, break the tasks down into mm-hmm. smaller tasks. You visualize, you use landmarks, you use positive, mon- positive sayings in your, in your thoughts, you try to eliminate all negative thoughts. Um, you try to, um, maybe think of a person. Um, I had read something recently, which I thought was a really great idea. When someone runs the marathon portion of their Ironman each, and I can't remember who it was, but each mile they think about somebody different in their life that have supported them or they have supported, you know, mm-hmm. have been an instrumental part of their life. So I thought that that was a really cool thing. So focusing um, on that gratitude instead of like the pain that you're going through in the moment. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pain there. Yeah. Um, and that's, an, like I said, that's another whole podcast. Um, mental fitness is huge. Mm. Um, currently I'm actually seeing a sports psychologist. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Which is, um, I always thought was a really fascinating thing and a fascinating profession, but he's sort of helping me along the lines of when it becomes really, really painful, you know, what, what are some things that we can do in our mind yeah. that, can get us through that pain. Um, cause we train our bodies, especially at this level to the point that they're able to handle it. Yeah. It's just, can your mind, can you, can you, can you just get over that mind part of it? Um, that's telling you it hurts and just trust that your body's able to do it. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a, a lot that goes into the mental, mental fitness of the sport. Do you have any like morning rituals or way to just kind of get yourself into the groove every day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I do a load of laundry. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) I call it my dynamic warm up (laughs) mom style. Um, you know, I, I usually eat the same thing every morning and, um, you know, if I'm heading to the pool, I, I drive to the pool. I unfortunately live in an area that it takes a half hour to get to a legit pool that I can do legit swimming in. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I do that, um, music, um, you know, I have certain, stretches or dynamic exercises I do before each training session just to get my body warm up. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say the load of laundry is definitely like an everyday thing. That's, that's (laughs) part of my, I, when I was going through overload for Ironman Louisville this past year, I was, um, spring cleaning my house. So like every morning I would spend like 15 minutes doing different tasks of spring cleaning. Uh-huh. And I remember one morning I was doing baseboards and I, was, I had the Murphy's oil soap and I was wiping my brace, baseboards down. And, <laughs> and I'm like, this is really a great dynamic warm up for me. This would be That's better hilarious. than anything else that a science could tell, scientist could tell me to do or an exercise physiologist could tell me to do. It's real world. <laughs> it's real world warming up. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So uh, let's go into a little bit the QT2 systems triathlon coaching that you're doing. Mm-hmm. What, what is that exactly? And what's, what's QT2 stand for? <laughs> uh, QT2 stands for quantitative theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of our training is based off of basically mathematical scientific protocols that are, you know, quantitatively proven. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where the QT2 um, came from. Um, QT2 is a prominent triathlon coaching system um, in our nation. It's a very highly recognized uh, triathlon coaching system throughout our nation and the world. Um, we have oh, at least a dozen coaches on staff, and we do triathlon training basically all through emailing um, and online programming. Mm-hmm. But we also have communication. If you're a one-on-one athlete with our system, you have daily communication with your coach, whether it's via email or if text messaging works better, we do that or phone calls or or whatnot. Um, the athlete trains with their Garmin watch and they upload all of their Garmin data, which is like heart rate, pace, watts you throw down on the bike, yeah, you know, really miles. I mean, anything, you know, the, the Garmin watch is like our window into our athlete's yeah, body. And they can't really lie about what they're doing. <laughs> no, if they go too fast for a run, we know right away, yeah. you know? Um, so that, that, that data is transferred into, um, Garmin connect, which we get the link into our training, um, our training program that we have that like our calendar that our athlete follows. And so, so, so daily we, we check in with our athlete and we, um, we look to see how their training is coming and we establish goals and training plan and, um, you know, yearly training plans for them, um, builds for them, um, race strategies. That's really in depth then. Oh, very in depth. We have another um, another portion of our business is called the Core Diet. So we have sport nutritionists that work with the athlete too. So like everything is, you know, it's just all encompassing. You know, we're not only taking care of the training, but we're taking care of the the nutrition aspects of what our clients or athletes need. And we, um, we even have some mental fitness components that we're implementing this year. Um, we have a sports psychologist on board. Um, just, yeah. So how did you get into this? Was this something that you like co-started or is this something that you just became a part of? No, I, I'm coached through QT2. Mm-hmm. So I came to them in 2012 and, um, I'm coached with Tim Snow and, um, Jesse Kropanicki is our head coach founder of, of QT2. So he has, he had this business established for quite some time now. Okay. And, um, being an athlete in the system, I, you know, had gotten to know, the training and the protocols and, and what QT2 does is they hire coaches from within their system. They don't hire coaches from outside their system okay. because we're, we're athletes in the system and we, we have gone through it as athletes. Um, so I, um, 
I was, I, like I mentioned before, I was a, a teacher for, mm-hmm. for 17 years and I had taken a, a brief hiatus uh, from teaching when my parents got ill and then my, my children's, my children had some medical issues there, um, for, for a few years, my, um, oldest daughter's type one diabetic and my other two had, were diagnosed with celiac. So Mm -hmm. I had taken a, a medical leave from work and, and that's when everything started happening with, um, the, the training and the competition. And I, and I started to discover, Oh, I really enjoy this. And, and so after a year of being with QT2, um, I was asked if I wanted to be a coach and, and I, you know, I've, you know, thought about it and was really honored to be asked and, um, said, you know, I, yeah, I think this is something I really want to do. You know, I I don't, at that time, I didn't know if I was going to get back into teaching, but I love the aspect of teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I of course love my sport. So it sort of made, it made kind of combined everything that you were working on. Yeah. Yeah. Why not teach what I'm passionate about and allow me to work out of the home and, and be available for my children when I can and pursue, um, my dream of being a professional triathlete and eventually, you know, a coach. So, yeah, so that's, that's how that worked. So how, how can people check that out if they're interested in in that? Uh, QT2systems.com. Okay. It's on the internet. Um, really awesome website. It, you know, explains who we are, um, who our athletes are. Our athletes are from all over the nation. Um, we have, oh, I think we're close to 40 pros now on our team. Um, and we have, you know, hundreds of age groupers, whether they're, they have a one-on-one coach or they just have like a general training plan where mm-hmm. they don't have the coach interaction. Um, so yeah, you can visit our website. It's um, just very detailed and has a lot of good information on there. Awesome. So I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, so we're going to wrap this up pretty soon, but kind of leading out, um, maybe talk a little bit about where you're going now that you're a, a professional um, triathlon racer and kind of what you're working on now, what's next? Um, you know, I'm just trying to become better than I was the day before, um, not only as an athlete, but as a coach and learning. Um, I, I love learning. I just love being an active learning learner and lifelong learner. Um, you know, getting certifications that help me to become an, a, a more effective coach, which also helps me as an athlete because mm-hmm. I, I understand it. I, I feel, you know, the, the best learners are those that are actively engaged and understand it, you know, the most the best athletes are also, you have to really know what you're doing. Um, you know, I'm still going to be mom and, and try to help my guide, my daughters and the directions that they want to go. Um, as far as my sport and where I, you know, I'm trying to get, I probably have another year or so, year or two on this professional level, and then I'll, I'll bow out and, and probably go back into the age group rankings, um, in the next couple years. Yeah. And have you been to Kona yet as, as a professional or is, no. is that the goal kind of? Um, n- no, because it's, it's very competitive, yeah. you know, it's like in life, you know, you get to that next level <laughs> and there's always people on that higher level. Uh. <laughs> so it's, it's really, really competitive. Um, you know, one, I, I don't want to have to, we chase Kona points, you know, where you have to race like every, every month. And, and two, it's just, you know, those girls and the guys who race professionally there, they're very talented. I mean, just, Oh, very talented. And, and, um, you know, it's tough, it's tough to get to that level. So, you know, I want to get to a level where, you know, you know, if I can have like that one breakthrough race, that would be awesome. You know, um, if I can, you know, walk away from a race saying, I gave it in my all, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's great. Um, so, I mean, but every, you know, sometimes you get to those races and like I said, previous in the podcast, um, you know, you get to that subconscious state of flow where mm-hmm. things just go and you're like, is this me and my body? And I can't <laughs> believe this, you know, I'm doing this. And sometimes you go to races and it's not there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep trying to push me to where I am. It was funny. I was talking to my husband this morning. I said, this is the year of Amy crossing her T's and dotting her I's, leaving <laughs> no stun- stone unturned. Like, I'm like, I've learned from my previous years some, like, there's like, was like, you know, a couple areas I really needed to 
pinpoint down mm-hmm. and fine tune for this year. And, and one was mental fitness and, um, you know, a couple other things with tweaking in my training we were going to do and, and just making my sure I'm the healthiest I can be. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is my year of crossing my T's and dotting my eyes. And, you know, then I can walk away from this year saying, I know I tried it, my, gave it my all. So that's awesome. Well, it's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where you go this year. Thanks. So I'll definitely Thank be you. following along. Yeah. Um, just just some like quick, quick questions to finish up. Um, do you have uh, like, who's your biggest influence, I guess, growing up? Maybe it, it can be in terms of athletics or just in your life. Yeah. Um, I think growing up, you know, my mom, my mom was very influential, just um, always encouraging me, always supporting me, driving me all over the nation to compete um, as a track and field athlete. Uh, my older siblings, I think being the youngest, you always sort of look up to your older siblings. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I looked up to them. I've had some coaches along the way who um, have been very influential. I had, um, a hurdling coach in high school who just was so science driven and he really knew his stuff. And I couldn't have gotten to where I did at that level without him. I had another track and field coach who, um, was just very inspirational. And I remember wanting to be like her. Like when I graduated from high school, I remember saying, I want to be a coach, mm-hmm. you know, and to be a coach, you know, to be a teacher, you know, if I'm a teacher, I can be a coach. Yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't, uh, if I teach, maybe I'll do some coaching on the side. It was like, <laughs> I want to be a coach. So to be a coach, I'm going to be a teacher. Um, oh, that's cool. so yeah, I, I had a, a, a coach in high school who was my track coach, who was just always very positive and motivational. And, and she really influenced me a lot also. And then as an adult, I've been influenced by my children too. I mean, yeah. they, they inspire me. And, and, um, like I said, they have some, um, physical ailments that they battle and they are battling through that inspire me, you know, on days I'm like, Oh, I feel like crap. I'm like, you know, I I think of my daughters and what, you know, the one testing her blood sugars. And when she goes to swim practice, you know, how she might feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that, that gives me a big reality check real quick. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. So do you have a favorite book or movie that you'd recommend to people? Ooh, favorite book or movie. Um, I love Bucket List. Oh. I, I think I think that's just a really cool movie. Um, and my husband and I got married. We sat down and we both wrote a bucket list. And so occasionally we go back to those bucket lists and we uh, see, okay, did we did we do this? Did we not do this? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I just think the whole story from that of you know, there's things in life that you need to go out there and do. You know, yeah, and exactly. and it's not going to wait for you. So mm-hmm. you got to go, got to go and do them. Um, I'm not much of a reader. I'm a very much of an informational text reader. Yeah. So um, I can't really say much about, you know, the books, but oh, it's okay. Yeah. How, how about music? Do you have anything that you listen to when you train? What kind of music? Uh, you? Oh, you know what I listen to is a lot of motivational videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll find like a motivational video that is like six minutes long yeah. and it might be something like, um, someone who's just saying motivational affirmations throughout it with like maybe clips from movies or whatnot. And like, literally I could be on my bike for two hours and I'll play that same six minute video over and over and over again. And it helps. get yourself in the zone. Yep. To get myself in the zone and to hear that positive, the positive words, um, that that's very, very helpful. I mean, there are times of the year where I, I know I'm really, ready for recovery and rest. Mm. And I do about two to four weeks every year where I do absolutely nothing. I know that time comes when I can't even look at, listen to those videos anymore. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, but eventually it comes back to me and I, and I, and I, I like to listen to that. I listen to a wide variety of, of music also, um, just depending on my mood and Mm. what can get me going at that time. What about as a final question, what's, what's some advice you can give someone that's considering doing a triathlon or marathon marathon for the first time? Mm-hmm. Where, where could they either find a plan or what are some yeah, common most, pitfalls? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, there's some, there's a lot of good general plans online. Like if you're training for a half marathon or marathon, um, you know, that are written by people who are very knowledgeable, like health Hitkins has some online that are free that are pretty knowledgeable. But, um, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to really focus in on it and do it the right way, um, 
you know, there's a lot of coaches out there too. Mm -hmm. I would research um, coaching systems that can maybe give you a more personalized training plan. Um, I know within our system, we do anything from sprint triathlon, duathlons, all the way up to Ironmans. And then we have a portion of QT2 business is called 26.2, where they do marathon planning. Um, So it can be, you know, as personalized as you want it to be. Um, And definitely like if you're researching people who can help you along the way, who are coaches, I would get references and ask them lots of questions just to make sure you, you know, you know that they know what they're doing. And you don't want to hurt yourself when you're starting out too. No, you know, take it slow and take baby steps at a time. You know, like for me, it was probably a little bit extreme to say, okay, one year I did a sprint, the next year I'm going to do an Ironman. (laughs) Um, But, but also, you know, I, I did come from an athletic background, so I had been athlete my whole life. Um, but, uh, you know, just take baby steps. I mean, if it's just, um, you know, starting out with a one mile run and then, you know, working yourself up to a 5k to Mm. a 10k or whatnot. And, and just remembering that, you know, you're, you're doing it for fitness and well being. you know, not, not to get into an exercise program because you want to lose weight or you want to look good for bikini season. It's, you know, it's a lifestyle. It's something that, um, is just, it's just great for you. And, and, um, you know, the end result is maybe having a little bit more muscle on your body or, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just take the first step forward, you know, just the hardest step is getting out of bed in the morning and just putting that foot forward. And then that's for anything, I guess it's getting out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So where can people find you online? What are some of, some of the ways they can either follow you Uh, or read what you're doing? Yeah. I have, um, my website, it's, it's amyjavenstriathlete.com. Um, just some information about myself as a professional athlete. I have a blog on that website. I, I blog anything about, you know, from triathlon to being a mom or, or whatnot. Mm. Um, I should probably blog a little bit more than I do, but, um, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit more balanced when I don't blog as much. (laughs) I want to spend more time with, you know, doing, doing real life things. Um, uh, you can also find me. I'm on Twitter. Um, I think I'm Amy Javens on that. Um, Instagram. I mean, everything's pretty much Amy Javens or a Javens. Uh, also, uh, on the QT2 website, I'm under coaches and I'm under the athletes, um, the pro team there. So those are various, uh, places you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy. There's, there's probably like a million other questions I can ask you, but, um, <laughs> this is, this has been a great talk. So I really appreciate thanks. it. And thanks for spending the time. Sure. Anytime. All right. So you can follow me, John Jerko at John Jerko on Twitter and Instagram and find out more about Odyssey and Muse, including show notes for each episode at odysseyandmuse.com. But most importantly, go to iTunes and subscribe and rate the show. That's how the show gets noticed and grows. So thanks for listening, and until next time, follow your true north.